Good morning. When I was asked to speak at Laity Sunday, I began thinking about what I wanted to talk about. And I thought about an experience that Susan and I shared during the pandemic. In the spring of 2020, we were locked down like most of you were. We were searching for something to watch on TV. And other than sports, we really don't watch a whole lot of TV. Susan's sister suggested the series, The Chosen, a biblically-based series about Jesus' disciples, his followers, and his teaching ministry. Well, we began watching it each night after our supper. One of the characters who played a most important role in several of the episodes was Nicodemus. I knew his story, but I decided to learn some more about Nicodemus and build what I wanted to say this morning around the record that is found in the Gospel of John. John is the only one of the Gospel writers to mention Nicodemus. Matthew, Mark, and Luke certainly had access to the same information that John did, but only John shared his story. So let's look at the story of Nicodemus to see how it impacts our lives today. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, part of the strictest order of religious Jews who diligently obeyed the law. They were well-trained theologians. They knew Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, but Nicodemus was part of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, which was the supreme religious authority of the day. Being part of the Sanhedrin was the highest honor that any Jewish person could be awarded at that time. Well, Nicodemus was part of the great Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. He was the teacher's teacher. In addition to that, he was old, which was honored in that day. So Nicodemus had seniority among the elite. Nicodemus appears in the scripture at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And if you look at your bulletin, we've divided up the scripture that we're going to look at today, we'll look at the first two verses of John chapter 3. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Well, it was undeniable to Nicodemus that Jesus was from God. No one could perform such miracles unless God was with him. Having seen all the things that Jesus had done, Nicodemus was curious about Jesus, and he wanted to know more. So he paid a special visit to Jesus at night. We don't know why Nicodemus wanted to come after it was dark, but the likely answer is that he was afraid of being seen with Jesus, so he used the cover of darkness. Jesus had cleansed, just cleansed the temple in Jerusalem, and he wasn't the most popular fellow among the Pharisees. Most Pharisees were really intensely jealous of Jesus because he undermined their authority and challenged their laws. But Nicodemus was searching, and he believed Jesus had the answers. He wanted to examine Jesus for himself to separate fact from rumor. Now, continuing with our scripture, John verse, chapter 3, verse 3, 
Jesus replied to Nicodemus and said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, this was not the response that Nicodemus expected. As a Jew, he knew that the kingdom of God would be ruled by God. It would be restored on earth. And all of the Jews would be admitted to this new kingdom of God. Well, imagine how Nicodemus felt when Jesus told him that God's kingdom would be for the whole world. Then he hit Nicodemus with a real bombshell. Nicodemus, you won't be part of this kingdom unless you are born again. It must have been a complete shock. Imagine how Nicodemus felt. Here was Jesus telling him that he was not even worthy as a Pharisee and a member of the great Sanhedrin. He was an elite Jewish leader, and he couldn't get in this new kingdom. The kingdom of Jesus we're speaking of was personal, not ethnic, and it required a spiritual rebirth. Verses 4 through 8 say this. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can only reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. By now, Nicodemus must really have been overwhelmed. Jesus had told him, Nicodemus, if the joys of heaven are to be yours, here's what needs to happen, not just for you, but for every person. You must be born again. Well, Nicodemus said this. He said to Nicodemus, a well-educated man. He was a religious, a holy man. And Jesus had just told him, you must be born of water and the Spirit. Now, no one would be surprised if Jesus said this to a thief on the cross or to a criminal or to a prostitute or even a tax collector. You must be washed clean and made anew. This new birth was the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't tell Nicodemus there are three easy steps to be born again. Instead, Jesus said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You can hear its sound, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. The Holy Spirit gives new birth, and moves like the wind. You can't give yourself new birth. Only God can bring the change that needs to happen in your life. Continuing with the scripture, verses 9 through 15 say this. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? 
No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Well, this reference to the bronze snake on a pole happened when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. God sent a plague of snakes to punish the people for being disobedient. Remember, they say they didn't like that manna. Those who were bitten could be healed by obeying God's command to look at the bronze snake and believe that God would heal them. To look at the snake and believe that God would heal them. Well, our salvation happens when we look to Jesus and believe he will save us. Jesus set out what needs to happen to be saved. Jesus told Nicodemus that salvation comes by believing in him. After all these years of diligently keeping the law, Nicodemus, you aren't any further along than anybody else of this group. Well, the last verse of today's scripture is the familiar passage from John 3, verse 16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So, I imagine Nicodemus went home in the darkness, completely confused. This was revolutionary, contrary to all that Nicodemus knew and had been taught. Nicodemus might have expected Jesus to say, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're Jewish. Religious teaching at that time was that the kingdom of God was at a future point in time when God would restore an eternal kingdom and all Jews would be admitted except maybe for the really, really bad guys. But born again, this new birth by the Spirit is like the blowing wind. You don't know where it comes from or where it's going, but you can see its effects all around. Those born of the Spirit know that at some point in time, something has changed them from the inside and has given them a new life a new heart, a new belief, and a new perspective. I imagine Nicodemus had some real sleepless nights after talking with Jesus. Here he was, Israel's teacher, and he might be excluded from the kingdom. Nicodemus went home and isn't mentioned again until several chapters later when the members of the Sanhedrin are considering what to do about this fellow Jesus. In John chapter 7, some Pharisees and priests sent out some of the temple guards to arrest Jesus, but they returned without him because they couldn't bring themselves to do it. John chapter 7 at verse 45 says, when the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priest and Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? They responded, we've never heard anyone speak like this. Have you been led astray too? The Pharisees mocked, is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believes in him? This foolish crowd that follows him, they are ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them. Well, that didn't set too well with Nicodemus. And he spoke up in verse 51 of chapter 7 to defend Jesus. 
he says, is it legal to convict a man before he's even given a hearing? Nicodemus told the council that Jesus should not be condemned until they have heard from Jesus personally. Nicodemus defended Jesus according to the law, but guess what? The rest of the council had already made up their minds. Since most of the Pharisees wanted Jesus out of the picture, Nicodemus had risked his reputation and his high position when he confronted the Pharisees with their failure to keep their own law. Nicodemus raised the question of justice. He had spoken up for Jesus. Perhaps Nicodemus had started to change. Nicodemus is mentioned for the last time in the book of John after the crucifixion. John chapter 19, beginning at verse 38, says this. After, afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus, asked, to take, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body because he feared for the Jewish leaders. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made of myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with spices in long sheets of linen cloth. This place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation before the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. These spices that Nicodemus brought to anoint Jesus' body were very expensive, an amount typically used to bury kings. Nicodemus came out of the shadows and went public in a huge way. It was a risky move. And Nicodemus did that carrying 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. Well, you know, folks, you just can't hide 75 pounds of that stuff <laughs> inside a big coat. So Nicodemus boldly came out into the world for Jesus. So that's where the story of Nicodemus ends in the scriptures. He stands there on the pages of the Gospel of John as a wonderful example of spiritual development. Perhaps that's why John included his story in his Gospel. There's just too much power there to omit it. First, Nicodemus spoke with Jesus under the cover of dark night. Second, he tried to defend Jesus from the other Pharisees. And third, he helped Joseph of Arimathea anoint Jesus' body and place it in the tomb. Now, I've always wondered what happened to Nicodemus after that. It's kind of like a story without an ending. From his actions, we can see that his heart was changed. I think what John meant to do was to showcase God's work. The story of Nicodemus and how he grew spiritually is a beautiful thing. Most probably, Nicodemus had watched Jesus hang on the cross. He most probably heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them. He most probably heard the Roman centurion say, Surely this man was the Son of God. He heard about and perhaps witnessed the tearing of the temple curtain. He had anointed Jesus' body, placed it in a tomb, and rolled back a big rock over the opening. I can only imagine 
the reaction of Nicodemus on the third day when he learned that the tomb was empty, that the body he had meticulously anointed and prepared was gone. Jesus had risen from the dead. Now Nicodemus knew the whole story of Jesus. He was a witness, but after that, nothing else is said about him. We don't know if he remained a silent believer, but his actions show us that he was a changed man. He was continuing to grow, and God looks for steady growth. So when I set out to learn more about Nicodemus, and I still don't know what happened to him after the crucifixion and the early years of the church, John left us hanging. And perhaps that's just the point. Maybe John included the story of Nicodemus not so much about what ultimately happened to him, what can happen to our hearts as believers. Now, as believers in Christ's holy church, we're called to action through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. So I ask you this question. As a believer, how do you respond? Do you want to be a silent believer like Nicodemus? Or do you want the Holy Spirit in your heart to call on you to action? Now, each of us has a decision to make. And I ask you this. What kind of believer do you want to be? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.